the fun has just begun. Boom. We're in James, we're studying James, and I, I thought it would be good if James taught on all of them. James on James, that would have been cool. I think that's funny. Dave thinks that's funny. Do you remember that we're ordaining the elders and deacons over there? That's why we showed that video. And I remember last year, Eugene wasn't ordained because he was here. <laughs> that was funny. Okay. It's, uh, killing it, Jay. Killing it. Okay. We're, we're studying James. And just to give you an overview of James before we read the text. James was my first favorite book of the Bible because... It was right. It was a high school when I started to understand this stuff, and it's just plain and simple. It's like it's simple profundity. It's like stop cussing, stop doing this, do this. It's really I love how plain and simple it is. And it's funny. I was looking as I was preparing for this sermon. I preached on this same exact text in 2012. We were facing that direction, and Joy was given the announcements and actually doing the rest of the service. <laughs> so it was me preaching and then Joy doing, it was the Joy and Jason show. And I started with this quote, just as a hospital collects the sick under one roof and labels them as such, the church collects sinners. Many of the people outside the hospital are every bit as sick as the ones inside, but their illnesses are either undiagnosed or disguised. It's similar with sinners outside the church. The letter of James shows one of the early church pastors skillfully going about his work of confronting, diagnosing, and dealing with areas of misbelief and misbehavior. That's a, a quote from Eugene Peterson's introduction to the book of James, and I don't think there's a better way that you can introduce the book. We're a hospital, but instead of sick people, we're sinners. And we gather together and we huddle around the word of God and we receive our forgiveness and we receive our grace through Jesus the Christ. And we're equipped to go throughout the week. So what has God got for us this week? Let's read James chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we who teach will be judged greater, with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships, though they are large, so large that it takes strong winds to drive them. Yet they are guided by a very, very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, 
And with it, we curse those who, made, who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring forth, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine fig? No more can salt water yield fresh. And in this tradition, I say, this is the word of the Lord, and you respond, thanks be to God. Back in December, it was December 6th, I took a group ice skating, and uh, it ended horribly. Anybody who knows me knows where this story's going. I'm cruising around, I'm doing my stuff, because I grew up on skates. I hadn't skated in like 15, 20 years, but don't worry about it. I'm coming around, I catch an edge, I fly through the air, there's a guy looking at me, and he's like, that's going to really hurt. <laughs> I'm like horizontal with the ice. I'm, I felt like I could have like filmed a movie or something, read a book or something. I don't know. But I hit the ground, break my femur. At that point, I begin cussing. Pretty severe. Because I don't know if you've heard of the femur, but it's pretty big. <laughs> and when you break it, it hurts probably more than, you know, I, I'm a sissy. So it hurt way past my threshold. So the cussing begins, and I, and, I, and I cuss in front of my boss because Jeff's there. That's awesome. And then uh, I take the ambulance, and I'm cussing at the ambulance drivers. And then I'm, I'm cussing at everybody along the way because my femur, it's killing. It's really, really, no, it, seriously, it really hurt. Okay, so we get to the hospital. My wife has to watch our kids. Um, so my boy Ed gets in his car. Well, he didn't have a car, but he got in one of my cars. And he drives over to the hospital, and he spends... Uh, just a really long night with me. He's just, he's, he's sitting in the chair and I'm in this bed, you know, asking for Dilaudid. Have you ever heard of that stuff? <laughs> awesome. Okay. But like a running joke that kept happening was I would be like all happy and chipper and then they would move my leg and whoever moved my leg, I was, I was about to punch them. I was about to really get angry. And so I would have all these negative words, profanities that would, that would fly out. And Ed, every single time, would say, Hey, Jason, uh, tell him what you do. <laughs> so I'm like, Mother... Uh, I'm a pastor. Uh, I'm a pastor. <laughs> After the comedy subsides, it's extremely convicting. It's extremely convicting that these horrible words are coming out of my mouth. And I'm a pastor. I felt really, really bad about it. And James is talking about this. He's talking about cussing, but he's also, he's talking about deeper things than I've, studying it this time, it's a whole new level. James has this depth that's absolutely astonishing. Do you know that early church called James, James the Great? This is the stepbrother of the son of God. He's got the same blood running through him as God in flesh. James the Great comes out with this profound little letter and he says these amazing things. And he's not just talking about cussing. He's talking about people standing in front of a crowd and saying, I'm going to put you first. And then they walk off of that podium and they put their jobs first. And they put other things before their... I'm talking about marriage right there. Uh, he's, He's talking about speaking badly behind someone's back. He's speaking, he's talking about, he's writing about 
being duplicitous. And he's saying, okay, and he actually, there's a little inference back to creation. Because he says, okay, God spoke things into existence, right? Genesis. He says, I want a tree right here. And his words created that. The only thing that his words didn't create were us. So in Genesis chapter 2, we get a picture of God bending down and breathing into the dirt and making Adam and Eve. And he says, James, the author says, this is tied with that. Our tongues are so powerful because God speaks things to existence with his words. We can destroy things with our words. Verses 4 through 9. He has these illustrations. and he, All the horse lovers. <laughs> Dimitri Martin has a really funny joke. He says, horse people aren't as cool as they sound. Because he's picturing like, Half horse, half person, you know, horse people. (laughs) I think that's funny. You should laugh. (laughs) But horse people love this text because this is like one of the few times that horses are mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My aunt, horse person, she loves, she loves this. But you control these big beasts. Have you ever been around a horse? I'm afraid of horses. I feel like they're going to turn on us humans and just take over the world. (laughs) Gallop across my face. But he says, just this one little bit steers this huge animal. And he says, picture these big ships. What steers those big ships? Rudders. These little, these little pieces of wood. I had a, my grandpa had a boat, Peggy the th- one, two, three. I was driving Peggy the three. And I cut the wheel. I thought I was in Miami Vice or something. But it's not one of those boats. It's like a 32-foot. And so we're up on like this. My grandpa almost died right there. But it was just this little... I just switched it like this. And it went... It it steered the whole ship. James says, your tongue is like that. You can destroy worlds. You can peel people down to the ground. You can take systems and crush them before they even begin. And he says, this, is, this isn't a fire to be messed with because it's a fire set on by, by the flames of hell. This is turning real negative. <laughs> so I want to turn a little more positive. The author of Hebrews puts it like this. Encourage one another daily. As long as as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The author of Hebrews says, the tongue is powerful. Use it. Jeff always says, health is contagious just like sickness is. Jeff O'Grady. Encouragement is contagious just like sickness is. Glenn and Heather, the people in the video. um, Have you met them? Yes or no? Some people. Some people have met him. Some, eh, that was a dumb question. Okay. When I first met them, I had the same response as a friend of mine who just met them. And she called and left a message on my wife's voicemail and said, are those people real? Are they really like that? 
when you meet Glenn and Heather, you're like, really? Can you be that happy? Do you see them smiling? <laughs> Why are they smiling? <laughs> this world's miserable. That's what I think whenever I see them. I'm like, what? How come they have all this joy? And I asked Glenn one time, how the heck, how can you have so much joy? And he said something that actually changed me a little bit. He says, I've discovered that there's enough joy that it never runs out. I grew up in a scarcity model. I don't know if you know what that means, but if someone is happy in my, my house, everyone else is miserable. That's just the way it is. There's only one best and everybody else is just kind of hanging out. And we speak in absolute truths. And we, I grew up in this house that if I was the happiest person, everybody else had to be not happy in order for my happiness to be real. It's messed up, but I'm, I don't think I'm alone. Am I alone in that? There's a lot of people that have this scarcity model that there isn't enough joy. There isn't enough happiness. If I'm happy, you can't be happy. We, we, when we were first married, we probably lived 10 years like that. Malia's happy in her job. I'm miserable wherever I'm doing. And then I'm really happy when I'm doing my, my stuff. And she's really taking it for the team and putting me through seminary, that kind of stuff. We can't both be happy. Glenn and Heather have stumbled across a huge truth that Jesus says all throughout the gospel, all throughout the Bible, God says it. There's enough encouragement. There's enough joy for everybody. You can be happy too. He always smiles too. That guy, he's in sync of Taiwan. I'm sorry to call you out, but that's awesome. <laughs> Seriously, I have CDs in sync. If you, he goes to Taiwan right now, they, they rush him like Justin Timberlake. They sign my face, sign my face. I'm going to have you sign my Bible after this, okay? But there's enough joy for everybody in here to be happy. That's a, that's a, that's a truth that like is worth like doing a cartwheel about or something. It's, it's worth having a birthday cake for or something. It's worth it. We can all be happy at the same time. We can all be encouraged by the Lord at the same time. And the author of Hebrews says, do your best. Outdo one another. Try and encourage one another. As long as it's today, do it. Get out there and encourage and get, get joyful. And then, I was watching the, the, who watches, I, I was watching Last Comic Standing, and there was this really funny guy, I, Last Comic Standing is this television show where these comedians compete, and there's one, I think he should have won, but there was this little guy, he was talking about uh, being on a date, and the girl says, so what are you thinking? And he goes, uh, that's not how thoughts work. <laughs> anyway, he, he's, nobody's laughing, not even Greg, he usually laughs, but... He, he's, he says, you know, if I think something, I usually don't say it until I've thought about it and said, is this going to offend you or not offend you? We need to think more before we act. We become a people that just reacts. Something's thrown in our lap and we just explode. We make this decision. We make all these fast decisions. And I think it's part of culture. It's part of ourselves. It's part of our sin nature. It's part of all that stuff. There's no slowing down. There's no thinking through anything. Thomas Merton said, the 
the church needs to be more like a bathhouse where it closes its doors and builds up its steam before it talks. I was at a missions conference once and this, this guy from Africa said, you know what the problem with Americans are? Their mouths are too big and their ears are too small. And what he meant by that is we need to shut our mouths and we need to start listening for God. I saw this firsthand, just a positive example of this. Went to Thailand with a group of 15 people this last summer. And while we were there, have you been to Thailand? They switched the sides of the roads. You're driving on this side. and We're driving these. It's Tom and I. Tom Carter and I. We're the drivers. And so, <laughs> have you seen me drive? I hit trees on a regular basis. But I'm on the, I'm on the wrong side of the road, switching and stuff like that. It's a, it's a cross between, like, Tetris, Frogger, and, like, Call of Duty. Like, it's, it's crazy. I'm driving in this foreign country with all these kids. And, like, blah, blah, blah. So, I didn't drive very much. Tom Carter is usually the driver. So we're at this, we're at this, this wood store, which isn't really a wood store. It's a, a store with like, like log beams or whatever. And we're picking out because we've been trying as men to get some work done. We're trying to do something. We're trying to build something. We came in here. We're going to build something. Yeah. It's gonna, I'm going to scratch my name in it with a knife or something. Then we're at this wood store and we're picking out wood and we're like, yeah, we're going to build this thing. We're going to build this thing. And just like clockwork, right as we're about to go over the hill and actually get some stuff done, phone rings for Tom. Hey, we need a ride from point A to point B. We got to drop what we're doing. I look at Tom and he, at first I could see he wanted to punch somebody. <laughs> he's like, he had the steam filled up and he's like, because he's like, have you ever been in that zone where you want to make something? Like guys, especially when you're under the sink and you're, uh, you just want to do something. You're like, I'm sick of just talking and crying. I don't want to tell my feelings anymore. I just want to do something. And I can see all this go off and tell And then it gets us to his head and he thinks through, now I'm in Thailand. I'm serving the Lord. My kids are happy. My family's healthy. This is good. And it just switches. He says, okay, let's get in the car. Let's go drive some people. We need to follow that example. We need to be like that. We need to realize that there's enough good for everybody. You don't have to take down that person in order for you to be happy. Quit with the sarcasm. Quit with the undercutting. Quit with the backstabbing. Quit with the friendly fire. I'm tired of going this way and everybody thinking I'm the enemy and getting shot in the back. I'm not the enemy. The enemy's the enemy. We're the same team. We're building each other up. We're fired up. We're going the same direction. There's enough good. Everybody in here can be happy. Everybody in here can serve the Lord. Everybody in here can have a smile on their face. God is that good. We need to stop and think. Mr. Rogers used to say, count to five. Count to five. It's that simple. You stop and you count to five and realize God is good and he deserves my service. Let's continue in worship.